You're listening to The B-Side, a podcast of Blessed Hope Community Church. Hey, this is Malia, your host as usual, and today I'm joined by Pastor Matt. And that's it. Just (laughs) the two of us. Yep. No one else wanted to come hang out with us. Sean is busy. David's busy doing his... Is he even working his other job or what is he No, doing? he's doing a bathroom remodel. He's got somebody oh, coming in to replace his tub. So oh. he was um, experimenting with a Sawzall and his fiberglass tub and uh, taking it out. So, oh, that um, sounds fun. I'm hoping it went well, but it could have got ugly. <laughs> so That's too funny. Well, we are... Um, just about done with our judges series and i've heard a lot of good things people are really enjoying it which is always makes my heart happy because i do love the book of judges and so you do love the book of judges and you know what i i do too this is i don't i don't love it like you do um (laughs) but i have enjoyed this series it's been kind of fast and furious after spending so much time doing you know exegetical walkthroughs um this has been kind of quick but but I feel like what I love about Judges is it gives us this great opportunity to talk about worldview from a real um, nitty-gritty kind of perspective. Like, mm-hmm. hey, what happens when we, when we view God wrongly? You know, we did that series where we, uh, I don't know how many years back, three or four or whatever, when we focused on um, that Tozer quote, right? What, what comes to your mind when you think about God is the most important thing about you. And really, that, that could be the tagline for judges. The problem is they don't think about God um, in, in ways that makes him the authority. Mm-hmm. And that is the most important thing about them as they start to waver and, and wander and all kinds of tragedy ensues because of it. But what I love about Judges is that even in all of that, God just remains faithful. And mm-hmm. we read that in the New Testament, that when we are not faithful, that God continues to be faithful. And it's this great exchange that happens because we, there are so many times when we just aren't faithful like we want to be, but even then, God continues to be faithful to who he is and to the covenant promises he's made to us. And so it really is, should be um, super comforting to know that God is faithful even when we just get dumb. Because we get dumb a lot. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, So I guess as we start off today, we can... um, back up to our last was it our last podcast mm-hmm. that we talked about yeah, Samson? yes okay so i was i was telling matt that it just kept bothering me i'm like i swear that i remember doing this a study on judges and specifically um the teacher that was teaching it saying that deborah was in fact a judge mm-hmm. and so um, I decided I would just DM <laughs> the Bible teacher <laughs> and ask her. Yeah. Um, but and I you just, can't go wrong with asking right? Jen Wilkins something. Right? I think we would all agree that yes. she is a good authority so, to have. But I do want us to preface that a lot of these things um, are things that we can agree to disagree on, and that's totally fine because the Bible isn't always super clear on everything. Oh, sure. And so there's always, not always, but at times there are, we're speculating on mm-hmm. things. And so that's the fun of it and i think that's the fun of the podcast and the fun 
of well, especially, um, getting to do ministry together. Especially when you're looking at different versions of the Bible right. that are using right. different, intentionally yes. using different words. Like So even our Bible scholars can't necessarily always agree. Yep. So yep. that being said, right. if I we have to err on one side or the other, absolutely. Jen Wilkin would be a good side <laughs> to err on. And... I just want to give you credit for just nonchalantly, oh, so I was curious, so I just messaged yes. Jen Wilkin. Well, we've had interactions before, um, and <laughs> I, I was telling someone about this, and she's like, oh, she's like, what is it like to be besties with Jen Wilkin? <laughs> it's I, I awesome, wouldn't, actually. I wouldn't know. So I, I basically just asked if Deborah was a judge or not, um, that I remembered from her study that I thought that she had stated that she was. Mm-hmm. And so Jen's response was, I did. And most people do that. It's a book that tells the story of 12 people, which is a biblically significant number, who led Israel. Um, It would be an oddly constructed book if only one of them was not a judge and all 11 others were. Also, I'm not sure how you deal with Judges 4-4, which seems pretty clear, which, again, that depends on your translation. Mm -hmm. Um, A lot of agreement across different translations. And then I actually um, was like, well, I'm just going to press my luck and ask her Shauna's question, too. (laughs) Which one was Shauna's? Um, Shauna wanted to know, uh, this is how I stated it. Um, knowing how women were treated in the ancient Near East, is there any indication as to how she became a judge? Oh, sure, yeah. Um, obviously, it was God, but how did the men come to respect that, or for lack of better words, allow that? Mm-hmm. Um, and she said, we don't really know, which is why there's always discussion about her when there's talk of women leaders. Is she an exception? Were there other female judges? We don't know. But I would speculate that based on a patriarchal society, she or others, if there were others, was not the norm. But I couldn't say for sure. So yeah. I thought that was interesting, though. Yeah, and that's a balanced That's a balanced response, right? Yeah. We can't know for sure, but right. but odds are this yep. is what it yep. is. And, and I forgot. Yeah, that was a real good question from Sean. I kind of mm-hmm. forgot yeah, about, I about that. that, that. It's like, um, you know, how does that work? Absolutely. Um, yeah, and it's ultimately, I think it comes down to when when God gives somebody authority, He's going to do what it takes mm-hmm. to make sure that they're recognized mm-hmm. yeah. um, in that role. Yeah. Sometimes hated for it, mm-hmm. um, but also also recognized. Um, I feel like the the places in the Bible where it's not always super clear this way or that yeah. way, and not necessarily this particular instance, but in other places, I actually kind of have learned to love that and I love hearing the different sides and what people not sides I guess maybe that's poor words but no. what other what different commentators think because it forces me to think for myself too well yeah and and we should do that right mm-hmm. it's dangerous when I believe exactly like the person teaching me believes in right. the debatable gray areas. Because right. what that means is then that not necessarily am I a student of the scriptures as much as I'm a student of that teacher. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And it was one of the best pieces of advice I got when I was looking for seminary um, was, hey, you know, choose a seminary that that creates students of scripture, not necessarily disciples yeah. of a particular particular teacher. point of view. Yep. Yep. Um, and so I appreciated that. And I thought the, the seminary that I, they did a good job of, hey, mm-hmm. here's what's happening. Here's the options. Here's how you can look at it. That's one of the reasons I've always appreciated when I do go to theology textbooks mm-hmm. for information. Mm-hmm. I always appreciate Wayne Grudem. 
in his systematic theology because he gives a very fair and balanced treatment of all positions before finally coming back to here's what we think um, and here's what orthodoxy holds to. Um, But it it gives you a fair viewing of why Mm -hmm. other people think why they Mm do as opposed to starting out by saying, well, this is wrong and here's why. Exactly. Um, And that's what most do. And so, Mm -hmm. yeah, I think think it's always good. I love that. Well, and, and what's fun is is to be able to have that that give and take and that mm-hmm. dialogue in a healthy context where we know this doesn't hurt our faith, right? It doesn't hurt our relationship. We just mm-hmm. are digging in to have this mm-hmm. this conversation. Yeah. Um, a perfect example is um, teaching different teachings I've heard about the Nephilim and Genesis, and I've heard both sides Mm -hmm. of that argument were they fallen angels was it from the unrighteous line all those things and you know honestly i don't even really know where i land on that like just one minute i think i'm on one side and then someone else says something i'm like wow that's a good point yeah right and so but you know what i think that's okay because it's not something that is really a big deal add it to the list but it's fun to to chew on and yeah add it to the list of many questions that i will get answered when i get to heaven yes um and, uh, yeah, so that one, I was always convinced I knew the answer to that. And then David was like, have you listened to this sermon yeah, from John right? MacArthur? And I'm like, oh, no, I haven't. <laughs> huh, okay. Yeah, uh, yeah. So it, that's the thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's where, for me, I have to just always understand there are people that are smarter than I am. And there are people that are better Bible scholars than I am. Those aren't the things that are in my wheelhouse. I can't. I mean, I, I I can study the Bible. I can do those things. But there are always going to be people that. And when there are people smarter than I am and that are so ridiculously faithful to the Word of God that can land on separate sides of that issue, mm-hmm. then I better not be extra demonstrative right, about yeah. my position because. That's all it is, is yep. my position. Yep. And the Bible is so clear on so many things mm-hmm. that I, I I need to hold it loosely yeah. where it's loose. Yep. So, yep. Um, yeah, yeah no, it's fun. awesome. Yeah. I love it. Um, so Sunday... Well, thanks for reaching out to her. Yeah. <laughs> it just kept like, you know, you think about it and then you yeah. think about it. I'm like, oh man, I just really, I'm like, I'm just going to ask her. I mean, worst case scenario, she ignores me. Yeah. And she well, didn't. She so. didn't. You're, you guys are tight now. <laughs> We're on our way to being best friends. You'll know what's good when she's texting you questions. <laughs> yeah, I don't foresee that happening. So we, on Sunday, talked about a little story um, about Micah and his mother um, <laughs> that I don't know if most people are familiar with that. I don't feel like that's one we learn on the felt board in Sunday school. Well, no, because it doesn't actually involve a judge. Yeah. It's just a picture that they paint about how goofy it's gotten. Yes. Yeah. So kind of set this. I know we talked about it on Sunday, but before the podcast, we, we talked a little bit about how these this story and the one that follows it are kind of not necessarily chronological. Yeah. So the chronology of judge ends with Samson, right? I, I think as you as you lay this out, we see the story of the judges gets to be chronological, uh, but the story of the judges ends with Samson. He's the last judge that we read about mm-hmm. in the book. Um, and I, most people would say that Samuel is actually the last judge, and, and but we don't read about him until 1 Samuel mm-hmm. uh, as the, as yeah, the, the transition of the era. Uh, the era. But but Samson is the last judge. But then we get these last four chapters, chapter 17 through 21. Um, actually, that's five chapters. Um, <laughs> I can do math. Math is hard. Because um, I, I got it on one hand, so I was good. <laughs> 
But these last five chapters are more of an appendix. The author of, of Judges is not necessarily saying, okay, and then after Samson, this happened, mm-hmm. as much as, okay, you got the chronology of the Judges. Now, let me give you a couple of examples about how weird things have gotten in Israel. Mm-hmm. Um, and let me give you a couple of examples about how people keep doing whatever seems right in their own eyes and feeling like they're honoring God, but it really is crazy. So that's where we get these two stories um, are just, they're not necessarily in order. They're just meant to say, hey, sometime during this time period, this is what life was like. Yeah. Um, you know, so when they say, oh, people did evil in the eyes of the Lord. Okay, give us some examples. We'll hear some. Right. Yep. So The author is definitely building. Yep. And building. Absolutely. Yeah. And the story, yeah. this story of, uh, of Micah and his, his mommy, and and his his boy and then you get we know later because we read in chapter 18 that this this levite the young levite is named jonathan like the story of these people just feels so weird Mm -hmm. um and i i can't remember if i said this on sunday or not but it was definitely in my notes so if i didn't i meant to this is a great time to talk about the fact that when we read the bible not everything in it is going to have a clear caption that says, oh, by the way, this is bad. Mm-hmm. Did I say that Sunday? I don't know if you did. Oh, I should have. That's what I, I, I meant to. Like, I, I, I had right. two paragraphs in my yeah. in my notes about this. Right. Right? Like, because we, we get this all the time that, that, you know, somebody reads something in the Old Testament, they're like, oh, well, that's in the Bible, so God must be okay with right. that. God's Maybe okay with... Maybe did. I can't remember. Yeah, I don't know. But God's okay with this, and God's okay with that. No, this is just the unabridged... Yeah raw version of who people were just because it's in the bible doesn't mean that god was okay with it obviously clearly he is not okay with the breaking Mm -hmm. of six out of ten commandments in this household he is not okay with blasphemy he's not okay with idolatry um he's not okay with bad worship Mm -hmm. um but the author is just giving us a a clean picture Mm -hmm. of what life was like and i think the author like it's meant to hit the hearers of this oh yeah book right yeah they're gonna the yeah they're gonna read this and they're gonna be like oh he yeah. did what like yeah. what was he doing uh, there's no question about that right yeah okay. so maybe walk us through because um, we we ended on Sunday um, where um, he had become or he had taken that Levite as a priest right yep and and, and said with all confidence oh now I know God will bless me right because right. I have my own priest right and so when we start this Sunday we'll be moving on to chapter 19 mm-hmm. right so maybe walk us through chapter 18 a little bit yeah so so chapter 18 just takes that story and it takes it <laughs> a step further in weirdness right mm-hmm. so what happens is you have um, a group of Danites which is one of the 12 tribes mm-hmm. and they're looking for a place to settle uh, they're looking for a place of their own to call home. Which is so funny. Because they have a place, right? Yeah. Except they don't because they didn't drive out the nations like they were supposed to. And so they don't have their what own is place. Your, what translation do you have? I have in front of me is the NIV. Okay, because I do too. Because I find that interesting. It says in verse 1, because they had not yet come into an inheritance among the tribes of Israel. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, 
you know, the Danites, basically, they say, hey, we got to find a place to be, mm-hmm. right? We haven't conquered the land like we were supposed to, mm-hmm. right? We haven't settled like we're supposed to. So we need to find a place to stay. So they sent out five um, of their leaders, and, and they represent the whole nation, and they're supposed to go explore the land and find a place to Sounds be. Sounds kind of familiar. It does sound kind of familiar, right? But when they get to Ephraim, uh, they come to Micah's household and they spend the night. And um, they hear Jonathan talking and they're like, oh, that guy's not from Ephraim. Where's he from? So they go check it out and they find out that, that he is um, a Levite from, from Bethlehem. And so then they ask him, hey, you're a man of God. Um, clearly not understanding that he's not a man of God, Mm -hmm. right? Because Mm -hmm. if he were truly a man of God, there's no way he'd be serving as a household priest in Mm -hmm. this house in in Ephraim. But they see him and they're like, hey, you're a man of God, so will you do us a favor? Inquire into the Lord, like ask God for us, where are we supposed to go? Where can we settle? Um, And so, um, you know, does God... Is he going to give us success? Will he grant us success in this journey? And so this this priest answers. He doesn't even pause, right? He doesn't go seriously inquire of the Lord. It's almost like he he knows the Lord isn't going to answer him. Mm-hmm. He doesn't go inquire of the Lord. He just he looks at him and says, "Yeah, go for it. You're good. God will give you success." Mm-hmm. So you know what he's like. He's like all of the false prophets in the Old Testament that tell the king whatever they want to hear. Mm-hmm. The king asks a question and the false prophet says, yeah, oh yeah, no, you're going to have victory. You're going to have success. Um, instead of saying, because if if he had really inquired of the Lord for them and the Lord really had answered him, the yeah, answer would have be been, enough. I gave <laughs> yeah. you land. Yeah. Now go possess it like I told you to. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, um, and then when the men leave... Uh, they steal him basically mm-hmm. they take him they take all the household items idols mm-hmm. and and basically they they go away and and Jonathan the levite he's like oh how cool is this god's really blessing me now mm-hmm. because i was you know homeless mm-hmm. then i was um being taken care of as the priest for this family now i'm going to be the priest of this tribe and and i'm really going to be blessed um, and so it's just one kind of debacle after another. Um, and of course, Micah sees that they stole the idols and they stole his priest and he gets mad and goes after him. But then he realizes he's outgunned and outmatched yeah. um, and he goes away. But I love how it says he went back home. He went back he home. He turned around and went back home. Is that the last we hear of Micah? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Micah. Micah's just <laughs> that's a big. A, that's a sad. Yeah. 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 <laughs> they, they continued to use the idol Micah had made. And at, at that time, the house of God mm-hmm. was in Shiloh is how this ends. Mm-hmm. So, so Micah says, hey, you, you took the gods I made and my priest and you went away. What else do I have? How can you ask what's the matter with you? Mm-hmm. And the Danites answered, don't argue with us or some of my men may get angry and attack you. And you and your family will use, lose your lives. So the Danites went their way, and Micah, seeing that they were too strong for him, turned around and went back home. Wah, wah, wah. Right. <laughs> but you know what's sad about this? I mean, there's a lot of things sad about yeah. this. But as far as Micah's concerned, God no longer blesses him. 
See, he's just so confused mm. about his relationship with God. Yeah. When he had the, the, like, God was never blessing this. This is actually a blessing to him. He just doesn't see it that mm-hmm. way. But but when he had the shrine in his house and the idol in his house and the, the fake priest in his house, he thought, oh, God's blessing me. But all he had was the fake. Mm-hmm. All he had was was the the false. And then as soon as the false gets taken away from him, he feels empty, mm-hmm. right? Because in this scenario, I only believe in a God I can touch, yep. not a God that's above me. And so it really is sad for Mike and sad for his family because yeah. now all of a sudden they feel worthless and feel empty. Well, it's sad for the... Where are they at? Um, Layish. I thought it said somewhere who these people were, that they burned their city down. Oh, yeah. The Sidonians. Yep. Is that what it is? Yep. Um, I'm sad for them because, I mean, it says, um, let's see here, chapter 7, they went on to Laish against a people at peace and secure. And I want to say another version says that they were quiet and unsuspecting or something like that to that. Oh, yeah. Tone. Yep. And so, by all accounts, we don't know this for sure, but, I mean, they were probably innocent people. Yeah. I mean, they well, they were as innocent as as anybody else in this right. scenario. Well, like, I mean, God I didn't think, tell them to... I think what we see with the Danites... Go and put them to the sword. Yeah. I think what we see with the Danites is they are less concerned with somebody else, right? I mean, mm-hmm. uh, for all they know, for all they believe, Micah's a good guy. We know better. We know Micah's not following God, but for all they know, Micah is following God. Yeah. But what do they do? They rob him, and, and they steal from him, and then they threaten his life, and not just his life, they threaten his family's life. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they go to this place, and they're like, hey, this is nice. We, we want to live this. here, yeah. right? And so we're going to kill everybody here. Well, wait a minute. God gave you land and told you to drive the people out mm-hmm. that live there because they were under judgment, not these people. Um, and so you do. You get this picture that they just are, well, I mean, what are they, what are they doing? They're doing whatever seems right in their own eyes. Mm-hmm. And that's just the way that it goes. Well, um, and then the author drops this bomb on us at the end. Like you said, they finally named the Levite, mm-hmm. um, who's Jonathan, son of Gershom, the son of Moses. And I feel like, yep, the wheels are off. The wheels <laughs> have fallen off the yes, bus, right? No doubt about it. Descended of Moses. Like, what? Yeah. 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 And, and you know, what's interesting about all of this is is we keep reading the phrase, and in that time, Israel had no king, mm-hmm. and everyone did what was right in their own eyes, right? But the thing is, the focus there is not necessarily on a human king, because mm-hmm. Israel was always supposed to have a king, even before they were a monarchy, even before Saul and David and Sam, uh, uh, Solomon as the first kings. They, they were meant to have a king during all this time. <coughs> Excuse me. They're meant to have a king, but the king is supposed to be God. Mm-hmm. They are they are what we would call a theocracy, right? They're supposed to be a theocracy with God over them and then everybody else responding to God's rule. So when it says in that time Israel had no king and everybody did what was right in their own eyes, basically what it means is not we didn't have a human king, <clears throat> but we moved God off the center. We kicked, basically, we kicked God off the throne, and this is what we got instead. So it's bad. And then we'll see next week how it gets even wonkier. Mm-hmm. 
<coughs> so, next week we've got your favorite weird story um, about a Levite, another Levite, another man of God. Yep. With his concubine, right? And you know, concubines. We'll talk about this Sunday, but I mean, they had rights, but they didn't have full protection and mm-hmm. rights as a spouse. Right. So why does this Levite even have a concubine? And right. why is she so dissatisfied with him that she's running away from home? Mm-hmm. And why is it taking him months to decide that he misses her? Well, I almost wonder, and I think this is from the judge's study I did, if I remember correctly, but I almost wonder if um, the reason why she left home is because he was, you know, he could have been abusive. Like, she was a concubine. Like, she... Yeah, I mean... A lot of the the things I've read um, were that they were second class wives, and that they um, basically like a sex slave kind of deal. And so, I mean, it, as you read through the story and see the kind of person this Levite is, um, do you really think he was kind to her? I don't yeah. think so. <laughs> yeah. Well, and we so. read so so it's interesting, and so we can we can debate what this means. But mm-hmm. you read in in verse two, right? that she was unfaithful to him. Mm-hmm. She left him and went back to her parents' home in Bethlehem, mm-hmm. uh, Judah. Um, and she'd been there four months before the husband mm-hmm. came to look for her. I so, say that another, so the question is... Another way to look at that is that she became angry or despised him. Yes. And, well, and so there's the question of what does it mean that she broke covenant with him? Right. Um, was she unfaithful? Well, no, because what we know about this Levite right, Mm -hmm. is that he is full of vengeance, Mm -hmm. and the law would have allowed him to execute her. Mm -hmm. So if she had been unfaithful, he would have responded with with basically killing her. So, (coughs) excuse me, oh, so the idea that that she was unfaithful basically means that she got fed up with the legal arrangement, and she broke it. Um, This is kind of the equivalent of, Mm -hmm. of her saying, I want a divorce, mm-hmm. um, even though the law didn't necessarily allow her to seek that. Um, and so why would she have been that way? Why would she have gotten to that point? Yeah, you're right. right. He was he was probably abusive, neglectful, any number of things, right? What we, what we know about concubines is that they were entitled to several things, and that was it. They were entitled to um, sexual connection. Mm-hmm. Right uh, for for the purpose of offspring, mm-hmm. they were entitled to um, um, shelter and food. and food and in theory safety. Mm-hmm. Um, so something was broken there that caused mm-hmm. her to want to to go back home where she knew she could be provided for. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was that's how that starts. But but you know the question is why does a Levite have a concubine in, in the first place? Right. right. Um, and why is why is this Levite in the hill country of Ephraim? He's not supposed to be there. Um, and and uh, and then just his behavior is um, atrocious throughout this entire thing. But not just him, but the the Benjamites mm-hmm. um, living in a land. And learning from the Canaanites who they were supposed to drive out in the first place, but now they didn't drive them out, and here they are acting like the Canaanites. Mm-hmm. And we're going to get all through the story in in Judges nineteen and twenty, and you know, spoilers: um, the Levite is going to basically cut up the corpse of his concubine mm-hmm. and send it with a letter to all of the tribes of Israel, mm-hmm. and and they're going to say. Never before 
right? Ha- has they seen anything like this in Israel? Except for Saul did it. Well, with a cow, right? Saul. Saul didn't he cut up something? You're talking about King Saul. Yeah. Yeah, that hasn't happened yet. Oh yeah. Yeah, I made that mistake on Sunday too, right? Because I was talking about Saul. No, Saul happens later. This is before Saul. Um, but what happens is they're going to say never before has something like this happened. And really what they're saying, that's code for saying, um, you can almost hear the words. We never thought it would get this bad. Mm -hmm. Like what happened? And and how many times do you hear that when something goes wrong? You know, when, when something tragic happens, we start to think and we reflect, how did it get this bad? Like, we all of a sudden think like yesterday was perfectly fine and today it's this bad. But no, the reality is it was a one step at Mm -hmm. a time. It got to be this. Um, And so Mm -hmm. it's going to be eye-opening for for the whole nation of Israel as they have to deal with this. And then, of course, instead of repenting and coming back to God, they do more stupid. And Mm -hmm. it just, it goes from bad to worse. Like they just don't seem to understand what their lives are supposed to be like and what they mm-hmm. would be like if they really, truly honored God. But then you have to ask this question too. Um, is there anybody teaching them how yeah, to follow if God? Levite, this if this is what the Levites not. are acting like, yeah. right? Like if this is what the Levites are acting mm-hmm. like, then how are they supposed to know how to follow God? And and does that make them innocent? Absolutely mm-hmm. not, mm-hmm. right? But, but does it... <laughs> Does it put extra pressure on um, who are the uh, um, who is going to be consequenced more in this story? Like, like I read about Micah and his mom and the Levite that that he makes the household priest. Who who is God most frustrated with in that story? The person that should know better. The person <laughs> who who was given the responsibility and the privilege to teach. Yeah. Right. This is why James says, hey, not all mm-hmm. of you should presume mm-hmm. to be teachers, right? Because that's an extra special calling, and you've got you've to answer for that. Uh, it's, it's why as a, as a pastor, and I know this is something David and I have talked about, right? But as pastors, we, we have to take this calling really seriously. Uh, and one of the reasons, I jokingly say this all the time. In fact, somebody today, I was doing a funeral, and they said, oh, where's your church? And I said, well, for now, it, it's it's Blessed Hope right behind Tyson's. And then I said, I'm always surprised when they don't lock the doors when I'm gone <laughs> and change the locks. But for now, they, they keep letting me in. That's funny. Um, but it's one of those things, right? Like, like we, we just have to say what's true. Mm-hmm. Uh, because mm-hmm. we're going to be judged not by whether people at the church are happy or sad about what we said, mm-hmm. not about whether they take it well, not about whether they let us stay or they kick us out. Ultimately, we are going to be judged from God as to how well did we say his true things and mm-hmm. teach his truth and lead mm-hmm. people to embrace his truth. And and uh, unfortunately, the Levites during this time, they're not doing that. And the priests really aren't either. You know, you might think, well, the priests are still doing a good job, mm-hmm. except if we skip ahead to, to 1 Samuel, the first chapters in 1 Samuel, we're going to read about a corrupt high priest and his corrupt children. Oh, yeah. And that's yeah. right after the, that's at the tail end they of bad. the era of mm-hmm. the judges, right? And and it just is what it is. Like the whole nation has gone to pot, really, <laughs> um, because they just keep doing whatever seems right in their own eyes. Mm-hmm. And um, basically, they're following their heart and their hearts are dumb. Yes. And so that it is what it is. <laughs> 
So, I, yeah, I, that's, I think Judges is, is a good book mm-hmm. for us to understand because it really does focus in on the worldview sure. of what happens when you decide you're smarter than God. Yep. In a nutshell. And that's good. ain't nothing mm-hmm. good happen when you decide you're smarter than God. Yes. So true. So true. Um, I hope that everyone's enjoyed this. Just kind of a... I don't even know break from the norm, but kind of like it's it just is something different. Yeah. Well, we don't we don't, um, we don't spend typically nearly, do historical narratives a ton. We don't spend as much time in the Old Testament as I would like, mm-hmm. um, and that's mm-hmm. because there's a lot of things to cover. You yes. know, it's like, hey, yeah. Jesus is talking. Let's listen in, right? Mm-hmm. So, and I get it, but the Old Testament is all God's word, and we don't yep. spend as much time there as I like. Um, and, and then certainly in narrative kind of places, we don't spend a lot of time. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is this has been fun for me. I've yeah. Enjoyed teaching through it, and hopefully, people have. I think people have definitely enjoyed it for sure. So, all right, thanks for listening.